Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Paz I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining, Jeremy Dunn, and Jack McEnroe. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Paz I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Paz I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. Tonight, I'm joined by Jack McEnroff. Jack, how are you? Hey there. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. You sound a little under the weather. You know, my sister just said that. I was just hugging her on the phone, but I'm actually not. I've just been laughing a lot, so I'm kind of <laughs> <laughs> well, That's good. I actually i am trying to fight off this cough that I have. Yeah, well, it's just the season. Everyone's sick, so... Yeah, but I think I think it just makes me sound kind of butch, so I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> and we can always use some butchness, right? Right. <laughs> so, so what's going on with you? Anything new? I know I um. um yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to say that um, the Living Positive by Design campaign is going to go on for another year. I um, I I was in discussions with Merck on like kind of how we were going to move forward and. Um, we, it's settled now, so we're now just working on the fine-tuning and what cities we're going to go to and how we're going to sort of evolve the Living Positive by Design program, but um, it's happening for another year, so I'm excited about that. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Good. I mean, will, you, will you be going to different cities next year? Or? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point, is to go to cities yeah. that we haven't already been to. I think we've now been to nine, so... Um, I'd like to go to really warm cities like Honolulu, Hawaii. But <laughs> right, that would be nice. I don't think I don't think that's how they work it, but um, that's my vote. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Uh, how was your New Year? Good, good. Actually, everything was good. I stayed in, kind of did you know a little silent New Year at home. Right. Stayed away from all the drunk people on the road. <laughs> oh my God, I know. Yeah, I got the hell out of New York too because it was like basically the worst place to be in New Year's. So. You were um, in what, Miami, right? Yeah, I was in Miami. And I didn't even really, I mean, I had a friend whose birthday was New Year's uh, Eve day, so we, like, kind of hung out a lot during the day, and by midnight I was so tired, I was like, okay, let's just, like, watch the fireworks so I can go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. The only um, thing that I do have uh, to announce is that I will start, I'm supposed to, tomorrow, it's supposed to be the day, they're going to put my first um, blog up, up on the body. Oh, cool. Logging for them over there. So um, I saw your little picture over there. You were involved with something, too. Um, I've done a couple of things for them, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty cool. So I'm excited to actually um, start doing that. It's a different adventure. And actually, that's how I came across tonight's guest, who is uh, now I see on the line, um, River Houston. She is a, a blogger over at The Body as well. And um, the lady who um, introduced me, Bonnie, who uh, runs The Body, um, spoke to me and said, you know, you should really interview River. She's so funny, and she was telling me all the wonderful things that she does, so of course, I snatched her up, and I went and I looked, um, like, really good through her website, and here, she's literally from the same exact town that I am. She's from Levittown, Pennsylvania, <laughs> which is really kind of freaky, because <laughs> who knows, this is like a, like a little place, you know, a little small 
Quebec and Pennsylvania, nobody ever, you know, you don't hear people from Levittown or Bristol. Ain't nobody from there. How many people, what's the population? Do you know? I have no idea off the top of my head. She might know better than I do. That's funny. Yeah, well, let me, I'll go ahead and bring her on. Let me introduce everyone to River Houston. She's an award-winning poet, journalist, and performer. She's also an activist, uh, a writer. She has five books out, and she is a sexologist, and she is a funny, funny lady. So please help (laughs) me welcome River Houston to the show. River, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. So what section in Levittown did you live in? Um, I'm in Greenland. Greenland. Right near Truman High School. Okay, yeah. I, I, that, that whole part of my life is sort of in a blackout, so um, <laughs> I don't really remember. But I li- where did I live? I lived on Conifer Road. Uh, you remember the fair? I, I, oh, gosh. I lived across the street from where they had that fair with the big dome. I want to say St. Michael's Fair. Is that what it's called? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not from here. My partner, you know, grew up here, so I, I kind of moved in with him here. So I oh, you lived for about there five now? years. Yeah, but I live there now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I haven't been there in so so long. I mean, I only live probably about an hour away, but uh, yeah, so that's funny. That's great. Comet, that's cool. yeah, I forget. Cobalt Ridge. That's where I lived. Cobalt. Ridge. Oh, okay. That's not yeah. far at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. So um, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for inviting me. Oh, anytime. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's very hard for us to find women, I find. Um, don't you think, Jack, that from real, real had, women, like, break. real women, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, real women. I don't know what that means, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm definitely uh, certified. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm pleased to be here. I it's been a long time since I did radio. Um, the last time I did radio was on Sirius Radio, and it was just really weird because I literally that day bought my first satellite radio, and I w- I just put it in my car and I'm driving down the road and someone called on my cell phone saying, "Do I want to do an interview on Sirius Radio?" And I just couldn't stop freaking out, going, "I just bought a Sirius Radio. <laughs> Are you serious?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so it's real, it wasn't funny then, and it's not funny now. <laughs> so, what do you want to know? Your whole life. What's your life story? <laughs> Give us your life story. My life story. Well, it was. It, it's definitely been a strange one. I um, my new show, which is called uh, The Dominatrix Next Door. I um, I decided. <laughs> I would, write, I would write a resume of every horrible thing that ever happened to me, and then, like, you could, I would put it on the seats of the people in the audience, and then they could look at this, like, resume, and then they could text me on their phones what they wanted me to, what story they wanted me to tell. But I didn't realize, like, I tried it once, <laughs> and I didn't realize that, like, people just looked at my life story and were so mortified because, I, you know, they they didn't understand that I kind of find it funny um, right. that they were just like deer in the headlights, so it didn't go over well. So I'm still working on the <laughs> format. Um, <laughs> you know, I you know I I find things quite humorous. Um, I I left home at 15. 
I uh, uh, just kind of headed out, and actually, I, I moved not too far, Violetwood Apartments, and and I sold uh, crystal meth, and um, that didn't go over too good. Like when someone shot out my windows, and I thought, well, oh, this isn't good. So I uh, yeah, usually that doesn't go over so hot. No, you know, <laughs> or like yeah, you know, and it, it, the crystal meth is. It's not good, is it? And this was the '70s, you know. So it was really. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was like really. It was just a strange time. Like it was too weird. So, so I moved on, and I I, I ended up down in Key West, Florida, working on a construction crew. And the, and the boss came in one day and asked uh, if anyone wanted to go to paradise. And of course, I said, well, I'll go. And I uh, ended up caretaking his island in the South Atlantic, and uh, and that didn't work out too well either because I I uh, they they were really late with the supplies one one time coming out, and I ran out of cigarettes, and it, that was really hard. And I I saw this boat in the distance, and I thought I could make it um, to see if they had a cigarette, and I was caretaking thirteen dogs and a goat. And so um, as I headed out to, to the boat, I didn't have a, any bathing suit or clothes, so I was naked with the dogs and the goats. And as I headed out to the boat, because it, it's the keys, you know, it's shallow in places, swim a little, walk a little. I got to the boat, and and I made it, but they didn't speak English, you know. So I, was, I think they were just kind of like wondering about the woman, the naked lady with the 13 dogs and the goat. But um, well, I would kind of... I would guess maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it didn't seem abnormal to me. That's the whole problem with my life. Nothing ever seems very abnormal. Um, but they they uh they had some cigarettes and and so I uh, swam back holding them up in the air in a plastic bag and chain smoked them and then I ran out of pot and and uh, wine and beer and so I I hitchhiked back to Key West and. And uh, and that night I ended up arrested and in jail for a while. I can't remember why. <laughs> it's just like a blur. <laughs> you know, the problem, like I'm writing this memoir, you know, and it's like, you know how like that one guy, thousand million pieces guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I'd have to write mine as a novel because I can't verify anything. I know what happened. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? I, understand. I understand that. It's poetic license. Like, I'm planning on writing a book with you, too, and like, I know there's parts where I'll have to call up my friends and be like, and what did we do? (laughs) I tried to call the prison, you know, to say, what was I arrested for and how long was I in there? I remember there was a nice guard or something. But anyway, I, um, you know, ended up in Northern California as a marijuana farmer for a while, and I grew pot, and then I, uh, I, I didn't see people for months at a time, and every day I would take, like, uh, peyote buttons and and one day this woman appeared and at first i thought she was a hallucination you know because she was all shaved and dirty and uh and and then like you know i kind of fell in love with my hallucination so i tried being a lesbian for a while and she wanted to go to mexico so we bought a van and lived in mexico and played music in the streets and you know, that was the, that's the way I lived my life. It was just like it was kind of like one adventure after another, but all in a sort of haze. And uh, she said, uh, after a few months of that, living in Puerto Vallarta, playing music in the streets and cafes, that 
she thought um, I had a problem with alcohol. <laughs> No. Whatever. (laughs) And uh, dropped her off, and that's when I ended up getting involved with some arm robberies. I thought it was a date. I had no idea, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's a really crappy date. It was bad. I thought it, you know, he, uh, my, I had drank like, you know, half a bottle of Southern Comfort, and then I, I finally pulled over. And uh, passed out, you know, after I dropped the love of my life off at the airport so she can go to AA or something. And um, <laughs> and I woke up to this cowboy, and he wanted to see if I was okay. I'm looking out my, my van windows. and it, it was this orange van that I lived in for a lot of years. It used to say refrigerator, but then it only said Irato. And he, he asked me if I wanted to party. I was like, well, all right, you know. And I met him down at the liquor store, and we went in the liquor store, and I said, get whatever you want, honey. And so I got a cart and um, filled that up, and we got to the registry, pulled out a gun. <laughs> I was like, that's a really bad date. So <laughs> I left, and uh, I headed out to San Diego, and I met my future husband, and he needed a ride to New York, and that's how I basically ended up in New York. It took us about a year to get here from San Diego because we had no money, and we had to stop in Portland, Oregon. And I got to New York, and, uh, and you know, it was crazy. I'd never really been in New York that way before. And we lived in a van, and we were street musicians, and... Um, and it was just a kind of wild and crazy thing. He was a great, he was really a really good singer, a good musician. And I learned how to, I mean, always knew how to play guitar, but um, I learned how to play the flute, first a wooden flute, then a silver flute, then a saxophone. And that's what we did. We had a band and we played in the streets and we played in the clubs on Bleecker Street. And uh, we lived in the van for four years in New York City. And then one day I realized like the 60s is over. It's the 80s. <laughs> so That's this. crazy. So it was the 80s by then? <laughs> yeah, it was the 80s by then. So, you know, early 80s. And so, that was one uh, long trip. <laughs> it was a long trip. So then, yeah, and so then um, we uh, separated, and I then I went on like a real tear, you know. I, I again, I kind of, I kind of vacillate between men and women and I, I, f- I found Darcy I had one job in my life I've only had one job where you actually go and they give you a paycheck and whatnot and it was at the World Trade Center and I, I was a waitress and uh, at the uh, Windows on the World and I met Darcy she was only there one day she uh, she was just she was like she was like it was when Madonna was around on the Lower East Side, and she looked just like that, you know, with all the bracelets and the tattoos and the piercings. She was great. And I fell so in love with her. And she was only there one day because she got fired when she called in the next day because her snake was sick. And <laughs> I uh, tracked her down somehow. I can't really remember, but we ended up living together. And that was probably the lowest. It was kind of like... You know, with Darcy, I ended up taking care of her. Like, she was a, a a hooker for one night, and, like, I didn't even know that she was a hooker until, like, she said, do you want to go out? You know, I'm going out to meet some guys, but she was, you know, she was an escort, and we ended up, like, you know, at this place with Olga, who was a madam, and 
then that's what I became. <laughs> you know? and then, then she had a job, she said, as a receptionist, and she asked me to cover for her, and I said, well, okay. And I ended up working in a dungeon for uh, Angel Stern, and that's where I, I, I learned to be a dominatrix. And, you know, it was all kind of just whatever. And uh, <laughs> I was a dominatrix. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> In training, and uh, I was Mistress Mercy Payne. I was like the dominatrix from next door. I'd wear like a floral print, you know, Lulu. <laughs> people would come in and say, you don't look like a dominatrix. Shut up, you scum-sucking dog. So, um, and that was, uh, that was that. And then I, uh, then I essentially, I I changed my whole life. I, I, I don't know what, oh, oh, no, I haven't. Angel thought I had issues with this whole dominatrix thing because I was enjoying myself too much, and she was getting actually some complaints. <laughs> so, so for Christmas she gave me six free visits to her psychiatrist, and he also thought that this dominatrix was probably not the best uh, career choice for me. So I ended up going back to college, and then of course I couldn't afford the psychiatrist anymore, and. Um, and so I got, like, a therapist at the school, Mary Lou, who's, like, the therapist in training. You know, like, I'd go in there and say, I want to die, I want to kill myself. And she goes, you know, when I'm really sad, I listen to the soundtrack to West Side Story. <laughs> Maria. So then, so I, I went to, I was in college, and it was just crazy. You know, I, I lived on the Lower East Side. I ended up with two foster children. And then this kid, he got kicked out of his house because his father uh, or his uncle was a crack addict, and he was like 16, so I took him in, and he was my au pair for my two foster children who weren't really like legal foster children. They just lived down the street with their alcoholic grandmother and 11 brothers and sisters in one bedroom, and so I said they could stay with me. And and I went to college five years, worked full-time with the school, had the kids, and then... Uh, in my last year of college, I met the guy, the one that I thought I would spend the rest of my life with, uh, or at least a while. And I, when I went back to school, I stopped drinking, stopped doing drugs, stopped everything, stopped having sex, just like was focused. I, I found, uh, you know, I went in to study music, but I realized I really sucked as a musician and, uh, I minored in dance and I really sucked at that too, but... I took this dance kinesiology class, and I was just fascinated with the body, and so I shifted everything, and I was going to be a doctor, and I took all pre-med and um, majored in health, and, you know, I was just really into it. And um, and I, I found this direction, and the guy that I met, um, we didn't have sex. He, you know, I was trying something totally new, dating, <laughs> and he was the one who suggested that we get tested, and I, like, really, truly had no idea what he's talking about. I just was so not in touch with this disease at all. I mean, I heard of people who had it, you know, I lived in New York City, so I'd see people who, you know, they that you assume had it, you know, when people used to walk around with the oxygen tanks and the canes and Carposi sarcoma lesions and all that stuff. And, but it just, it didn't, it didn't, translate to me you know right and i really just just didn't get it the only time i ever heard of aids i remember the first time i was saying this the other night when i met some people 
uh, actually at Visual Aids um, opening. They, they do these little postcards for art and AIDS activists, and and I had put a postcard in there, and I, I met these people, and, and it was funny. They were all there, too. Two of the other people had put in pieces of artwork for this fundraiser for Visual Aids, and and I all of a sudden it was a question I had never asked anyone before, but like, do you remember the first time you heard about this disease? Like, do you remember where you were? Do you remember the conversation? Do you remember like how it felt for you? And none of them had a, a moment. Did you, do you guys have a moment that you remember? I have a moment. I, I have a I moment. I, I was I was watching a television a news thing. And they came on and they were talking about a disease called GRID that primarily affected gay men. And I just, just I was just coming out and I just remember thinking, oh great, like one more <laughs> fucking one more fucking thing I have to deal with. <laughs> oh my god! And, and, and I forgot who who is the other person there. I'm Jack, and then Robert. Robert, Robert, do you remember? Yeah, I think I, I think now. The first time I remember hearing about it was seeing Pedro on MTV Real World. And and how did it translate to you? Like when you heard it, what it what did what was your visceral feeling? You know, it was it was very it was just overwhelming sadness because it was the first person I could relate to because he was a gay man on TV, and then hearing you know that he had it and that he was going to die from it was it was just overwhelming sadness. Yeah, that's yeah. I to me, yeah, to me it was like I, I was. I, I remember the the moment so clearly. You know, it was at a time I was still doing the escort thing, turning tricks, and when I did that, I kind of, it was kind of a high end thing where they would drive you around to your clients in a limousine, and I was going with this woman, and we were doing a double thing, and and I just remember her kind of throwing a Life magazine in my lap, going. Don't ever have sex without a condom. Look at this new disease. And I remember looking at it, and and something clicked in, inside of my head. You know, I don't know. I just knew that somehow this was going to be a part of my life. Not that I was going to get infected by it, because I actually, even turning tricks or, you know, all the sex in my life, I've, I, I have always managed. I, I really just don't think that that's how I got infected. I just, in my heart of hearts, I just don't think that's how I got infected. So but, what year was it when you found out that you were positive? I found out in 1990, and I, that magazine I saw in 1983, the first cover of Life magazine that came out about AIDS. I think it was 83 or 84. It might have been 84. And and like you said, it was a grid, you know, gay-related uh, immune, immune disorder, or something, disorder, something yeah. like that. And but I remember the cover. The cover looked like you know the virus, and I, you know it just really affected me. And um, yeah, and when I found out, you know, this guy that I got tested with, we, we ended up getting tested, and truly shocking to me when I walked in there. And she said, I'm sorry, your test came back positive. I could not get my mind around it. I really, like, I it, like, it was totally like, what? You know, what? 
like positive? Like, is that good? Because I had no counseling. No one explained it to me. I had no idea. I, you know, to me, we were going to get tested and then we were going to have great sex. That's like, that was, you know, we're going to get married and then, or something. And it was me and him and that, my, that's where my brain was at. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden the world just stopped. It just stopped. And I remember looking out the window going, like, my life is over. And it wasn't like I'm going to die. You know, some people think they're going to die. It was just like, can I curse on, on this radio? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was <laughs> I the lady that asked. <laughs> so I was totally fucked. You know, it was over. It was over. I fucked up. I totally fucked up. And and this is it. And, and I didn't even understand all the implications of it. It was just like, shit, god damn it. You know, I thought I was out scot-free because I now had not had a drug or a drink in close to five years. I met the guy. I found a life career. I found, like, you know, I found like I was, finally found my place in the world. And damn, if my whole history and past wasn't going to just pull me back. And and I remember walking out of there just at first the shock and then the shame. And the guy was, you know, waiting for me in the in the waiting room, and I couldn't even look at him. You know, I was just oh, man, I just, I can't deal. And I ran out, and I just ran into the street, and I ran as fast as I could. Like, I, I was in Harlem at the Department of Health, and I just, like, ran to the train, and I, I got on the train. And when the door slid shut, I looked over, and he had been chasing after me, you know, and, and I saw him, you know, like, cutting through the crowd. And he had the look on his face, a, a look I would come to dread, and that's the, that look of pity, you know, that look of, Oh, you know, and he leaned over and he said to me, it was going to be okay. I wanted to scream, it's not okay. But I just didn't say anything. I just stuffed it down, you know. And we got off the train, and he went his way, and I went to the only place that they wouldn't tell me it's okay, you know. I went to the diner, and I ordered French toast syrup and butter. It was so good, I ordered another. (laughs) I had, like, French fries, mashed potatoes, chocolate cake on the counter, bring the whole thing. And um, and that was how I coped. I didn't tell anybody. I told my mother, and she said, you know, don't tell anyone. And, like, so if you see her, don't mention. <laughs> and I just, uh, I ate everything. And I, most of my life, you know, I also had an eating disorder, just totally starving myself. I was, you know, working now not as a dominatrix but as an aerobics instructor. So, you know, to, to stay teeny tiny i didn't eat like 15 days out of the month and i just decided fuck it if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die fat so i ate everything in sight and i went from like 100 pounds to 200 pounds and you know my classes got really slow (laughs) i got really big and uh and that was how i coped and then slowly i started to tell a few people and then um this guy showed up, and he he started kind of. It wasn't like he was stalking me, but he was totally like into me, and I was like, I could I didn't even get it. I really never thought I'd be in another relationship. I never thought anything was, you know, going to come of of it. I had I I knew I think you could have sex, you know, with condoms, which I didn't really like, and I, and I did have uh, I bet this other positive guy and. I can't remember if we had protected or unprotected sex, but it. But I remember he telling me him telling me all the things you could do, and it just seemed like, eh. And so um, this guy was so into me, but I really didn't like him very much. 
And then he proposed to me to get married. And here's a helpful hint. If someone gets on their knee and asks you to marry them and you want to vomit, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but, uh, but I did, and I planned a whole wedding, you know. I planned, like, uh, the caterers, the musicians, the dress, everything. And then um, two weeks before the wedding, I started going to therapy, and I realized I hated his guts, and so I canceled it. And that's when I moved from New York City back to Pennsylvania, Bucks County, with my father and his fourth wife. And uh, when she found out I was HIV positive, she asked me to leave that day immediately. And she was afraid that her daughter, who was 14 at the time, if people found out that there was someone HIV positive living in their house, that, um, you know, that they would think she would be HIV positive. And I, I was just, yeah, I had had enough. You know, I had enough. So I, I found an empty apartment in New Hope, Pennsylvania, and I moved in with the dog. I had a little dog and my guitar and the dress. And I just decided I would kill myself because, you know what, I'm going to die anyway, and enough's enough, and I just didn't want to be bothered. So I put on the dress because, you know, you got to wear it at least once. And I um, went to hang myself, but uh, the ceiling was really low, and I was still pretty big. (laughs) Well, the real truth is, the real truth is I tried to hang myself first, you know, like on um, that thing that goes, that holds the shower curtain, the shower curtain rod, you know, that goes across, and that broke. And so... I'm laying in the bathtub in my wedding dress with a noose around my neck and a broken shower curtain rod. And they, and this was, like, very pathetic. So I thought, let me uh, write the suicide note. So um, I started writing, and as I was writing, it, it started to become like a poem, you know. And by the time I finished, it was like 10 pages. I was like, this is really good. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll kill myself later. I would like to, to show this to someone because I think this is a great poem or suicide note, but slash poem. And I didn't know anyone, but I could hear I had a neighbor, so I thought I'd go visit her. So I went down my stairs, up her stairs, and I knocked on the door, and you know, we had a little chat, and I asked her to read my poem. And uh, she didn't seem to be bothered by the dress. You know? And... Uh, she thought it was really good and told me there was like a poetry reading down the street and I said, All right, you know, and you know, she she suggested I take off the dress before I go, so I did. <laughs> and uh I went down to Carla's cafe in New Hope, Pennsylvania with my little poem and it wasn't a poetry reading, it was a poetry slam and uh I I read it 'cause you know, that that's how I lived my life too, after after that night, 'cause I won that night. I won the slam. Wow. I, I had this new mission in life. Every week I'd read a poem. I'd write a poem. I'd go down there. I won like six weeks in a row. And that year I was named Poet Laureate of Bucks County. And then at the commissioner's thing, I read my first poem about living with AIDS. Because even as a poet, slam poet, I never really wrote specifically about AIDS. And I had still not come out that I had HIV just yet. I don't think I have. I, I, I can't quite remember, but I remember very clearly that I decided to come out at, at my award ceremony when I was named Poet Laureate. And <laughs> the thing was is that the week before, 
being named poet laureate, one of the duties as poet laureate was to do a poem to the uh, Y W C A. Is that it? The Y W Y. Yeah, Y W C A. Right. And I kept thinking Y M C A. You know, so I wrote this really wild poem, but it was the Y W C A, which is the Young Women's Christians Association. <laughs> <laughs> So when I got to the courthouse, the sheriff actually wanted to see a copy of the poem I was going to read because they didn't like that other one. And I was like, here, you know, and he, it, it had some curse words. And I said, I won't say them in the courthouse, blah, blah. And um, But I read this poem about living with AIDS, and they wanted to take my award back. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know the top, the headlines were like poet laureate's license too licentious for some. One of the headlines was Bucks officials want a nicer poet laureate. Some find the topic of AIDS annoying. <laughs> oh my like, god! Annoying? What year was this? This is 1996. I was like, oh my god, what's the matter with you people? So, um, you know. I I was I wasn't that bothered by it. Uh, like I kind of was like more like dumbfounded. Like what is wrong? This is a beautiful poem. It actually went to the national press. You know, it was like wow. this whole debate on what is poetry, and um, and so in later that year, by now I had learned that. Uh, I had started speaking out at, like, I, it was kind of right around there that I had started to, to speak at high schools about living with HIV. So how long was the, the was the total, like, transition between finding out you were HIV positive to when you started speaking? I would say a year or two. About a year. About, like, 19, maybe two years. That's quick. Yeah, you know, because I had nothing to lose, you know, and I, it's, it was kind of like I was pretty sick. I also got a second, I also had a second terminal illness that I found out a year after I found out I was positive, and so I was pretty much. They said you're, you're, you're toast, you're done, and uh, and so, and I was pretty sick at one point. Um, before, I remember uh, this was before the fourth wife. Uh, I admitted I was positive, and she wanted me to leave. And most of my life, I never watched TV. I didn't watch TV for close to 20 years. And uh, I certainly never had a TV that had the channel changer, you know? Right. <laughs> I was at her house. I don't know, maybe she didn't kick me out because of the HIV. Was a, I wouldn't let go of the channel changer. And <laughs> I just, like, kept changing the channels. I saw nothing on women in HIV. Nothing. Nothing. Not one commercial. I didn't even see anything about HIV, really. And and I was like, man, this is not good. This is unbelievable. And slowly, occasionally, I would tell someone that I was HIV positive, and they would look devastated. They would look that de- I'd have to comfort them. Like, it's Always. okay. Always. <laughs> I, I remember that. Right. You'll live. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, it was so bizarre. And so I, I knew that I had to go out and speak. And actually, now that I'm thinking back, because, you know, my brain's fuzzy, it wasn't that she found out that I was HIV positive that she wanted me to leave, that I was going to speak openly about being HIV positive, and that's why she wanted me to leave. 
because it was okay if I didn't tell anybody, but if I was going to come out openly about it, that was unacceptable. Right. And so um, I called my old high school teacher, I remember that, and she was still there, Dr. McCaffrey, and and uh, I couldn't come to the high school because they had regulations, but she set me up with Planned Parenthood, and I went to a prison. That was the first place I spoke, in a prison. Wow. I know, it's so freaked a out. male or female prison? Male. Prison. Uh. Prison. And and I was so freaked out, and I went there, and I'm like, what are we going to say to these guys? These are all hardcore, you know, tattooed, low-riding pants guys. <laughs> and I go... I go in there and I'm like, oh man, you know, I had no idea what I was going to say, so I decided to tell them every horrible, horrible thing that ever happened to me, you know, and they like had tears in their eyes, they were like just so upset, and and, and when I was leaving, they were like, hey, little sister, you're going to be okay, and I was like, yeah, I know, I'm leaving, and <laughs> I, uh, I'm leaving then, you're not, see ya, <laughs> see ya, and I, but I do remember going out in my car, and just going, God, and I don't even really, well, I, I believe in God in a weird way, but not in any religious way. But I was like, God, please just let me do this. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I just want to, I want to speak, you know. I want to be, I want to go out and talk to people. And that and that was the start. And I, I remember going out, you know, kind of simultaneous with this whole poet laureate thing, you know, started going out speaking and then I found Hyacinth organization in New Jersey and they gave 50 bucks for every gig and I was like oh yeah I'm in because I had no money and uh, so I started going out and and talking and everything but when I first started people you know like I finished my talk and people would come up to me and say you know they'd always cry and and they'd say things like man I thought my life was bad then I heard yours and I feel so much better and I'm like what working out well and that's kind of when the comedy started coming in and I and also the sex because I always liked sex and I figured out a way to have it that was fun and that wasn't just condoms for God's sakes and latex and all that crap you know it was actually HIV started to improve my sex life because now if I'm going to have sex I'm going to do all the things I ever dreamed of doing because it really had very little to do with intercourse or condoms or any of that crap. I wanted to, to put the cowboy outfit on, you know, <laughs> and, um, or, well, whatever. And, <laughs> you know, I was going to do it. I started kind of really realizing the things that really turned me on and that I really loved doing, and I realized, like, if I'm going to tell them how they can get infected because most of the people I was having sex with at the time were straight men who were clueless. Like I tell them I have HIV and they'd be like, I got HBO. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, I'm out in the country now. And so uh, I would tell them what we could and couldn't do. And then I'd say, well, what is your fantasy? What is it that you always, always wanted to do? And they'd tell me theirs and I'd tell them mine and we'd set it up. We got outfits. We got costumes. We got toys. We got stuff. And so sex became great and fun and and so much more than just like uh intercourse or whatever. And so uh I wanted to share that with people and that's when I came up with my my sex talk, you know. It used to be sex 101 or how to have uh what was it eroticizing safer sex was the first one and of course hot hairy and horny and then uh 
Sex 101, How to Have the Greatest Sex with Yourself and Others. And now I have sexed, S-E-X-E-D. So essentially, you know, I, I talk a little bit about sex, and then people can text me their sex questions while I'm on stage, which is a whole lot of fun. And um, That's a really great program. Really cool. I've, I've never heard of that before. It ever. is hilarious. you got to be able to be spontaneous. But the great thing about it is that um, – because I was arrested. I was indicted by the district attorney in New Jersey and arrested for doing one of my lectures. And when that happened, um, but I, uh, it was for doing a condom demonstration. And it wasn't that, that I like did. the one you did on YouTube? Yeah, I showed them how to put it on my mouth. Wasn't that great? But they banned that. Do you know yeah, that? Yeah, I saw it on Vimo. Yeah, they banned my how to. And it didn't, wasn't that cute? I looked just like a teacher, you know, and I'm so serious. <laughs> Uh, I do it so well. But anyway, so I got arrested for that, indicted, and then sued in civil court. And uh, and that's when my show, you know, I started doing the show, the Sex Cellulite and Large Farm Equipment. And that was about the poet laureate and, you know, all our just inability just to talk openly about something. Why we Why do we always have to get so freaked out about everything? And but they do, and they still do, and also about this whole journey of loving ourselves and not seeing ourselves as damaged or less than or anything. I got a virus in my body. I also have another disease where my immune system destroys my bone marrow. That's just another disease. You know, they don't have a ribbon for it or a bracelet because you're just gonna die. But somehow I survived it in the in the weirdest way. It was my immune system just you know, uh, destroying my bone marrow, and then eventually I got AIDS, which destroyed my immune system, and and that, like, cured the weird bone marrow problem, you know, so, yay, AIDS. Wow. I know, it's weird. Now it's been 25 years, 25 years, HIV positive, have had AIDS for the last seven years, and, uh, and life's amazing, and life's amazing, and that's the whole, that's the main thing that I think, I talk about, I mean, I do do a lot of humor, and I do stand-up comedy, and I do my one-woman show, and I do the, the talks. And the great thing about the sex uh, the sex and the texting is I can no longer get in trouble because I'll come off as, like, the straight person, and then I get these texts, and I just kind of look at the, <laughs> the text going, well, it <laughs> wasn't me, you know, because I'll get all kinds of very funny texts and serious ones. And what it really shows me is how little people know about sex. People are clueless. Um, so many young kids, as so many questions I get, and on, on my blog I answer them, or you can even just see the list of questions, and it's it's stunning to me. And it's wonderful that I can be there to answer the questions, and and it's weird that I know all the answers too. That's <laughs> <You know? laughs> great. <laughs> so since you do since you mentioned that, tell everyone where they can find you and find out information about you and like your websites and oh okay well they could go they could go to river like the body of water Houston H U S T O N so riverhouston dot com they can also be a fan on Facebook and that and that way they get updated uh like uh, every time that I get all the questions I put them up there. But they could also follow it at the blog at my website, com, And soon they will be able to, just like, you know, people can click on this link here and hear the radio show, 
they'll be able to hear one of my lectures and they'll be able to text me from wherever they are while I'm on stage and I'll answer their questions. And, I love uh, that. Yeah, so I just, that's the whole thing that I'm into right now, and it's kind of like, I'm also painting. I'm, uh, I am I sold my first painting, and um, and I won a big award, the Leeway Transformation Award, about how art, um, you know, can educate and, and change society. And in a lot of ways, you know, between the painting, the poetry, the writing, the performing, that's been my thing, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I call myself a free radical, I, um, you know, I do AIDS comedy in the comedy clubs, like, not about other people with AIDS, but about myself, which is a rough thing to do to the audience who has no idea, and if you ever saw me, I look like a vegetarian cookbook author, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> you get up That's there, you're like... Right, don't I look like you? You you definitely asked me how to make a quiche, right? And uh, (laughs) real quick, River, I just want to allow people um, to call in and ask you some questions. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I talked a long time. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, The number to call in for anyone listening is three four seven two one five nine four four two, and you can call in and ask us a question. Uh, You can talk to River live. Um, I do have a comment in here from Dab, the AIDS bear. Um, you are also uh, an ambassador of hope, I believe. Am yes, I I'm an ambassador Dab? of hope. Dab, I'm a really bad ambassador. I apologize. <laughs> I got the bear, though. I won't tell you. The bear is super, super cute. And 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 I think that you can find Dab. Just put Dab the bear, right? Dab the bear. The AIDS bear. Dab the AIDS Dab bear. The in your Google search, and you'll find his whole thing. He's, like, amazing guy, you know, like, does the whole... He's, like, he's so great, you know. I'm just... I'm wacky, but he's great. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be wacky. That's the only way I can survive. i got to find humor and everything. I'm a little... I'm with you. I'm a little bit like that, too. Yeah, you know, it's like, I can't take it too seriously. I... No. My whole thing is, like, one of the things about this whole AIDS thing is I needed to get out of the AIDS box. I'm a performer. I'm a writer. I'm a painter. I'm all these things, and I happen to have this virus, you know, so I'll, I'll throw some activism in there. I'll I'll always put it out there, but rarely do I will I go on a TV show uh, or a radio show or anything just strictly because I have HIV. Now, this is an exception because this is what the – the um station is about but i i really wanted to find a way to to integrate it you know but not be labeled you remember in the very beginning how like if you ever did tv or radio or anything you'd always be introduced as so-and-so aids victim so-and-so uh aids patient yeah (laughs) they, they like to label you yeah, and like I don't want you and and we all, we have enough labels as it is and I just I really don't want to be labeled. I'm I'm a whole person. I'm holistic. Yeah, well I think for us and our especially this radio station the 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 common thread is HIV, but we talk about everything. Like, well, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, that's important I think because it's so easy to you know, even blogging at the body. I love that they just give me free reign. Like I wrote a column for Paz magazine for close to 14 years and uh in the beginning they just let me write anything they were cra- <laughs> they did they they corrected my spelling that's all they did <laughs> 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 and 
And then I think someone noticed I was writing things like about, you know, going to the high school classes of dominatrix and teaching testicular suspension and <laughs> another <thing. laughs> HIV, and they're like, oh, we better keep an eye on her. Because uh, <laughs> who reads those things? That's so funny. That's yeah. funny. Now, you have five books out, right? Yeah. Five, and I know one of them uh, specifically is about uh, women and HIV, where you traveled around the world and actually photographed and interviewed women and actually lived with some of these HIV-positive women, right? I, I didn't so much uh, live with them. Um, I, I worked with some of them. I, um, I knew a lot of them. But basically, I interviewed them, and now I'm putting that whole thing into a small little film um, so people will be able to download it from my website and show it in their classrooms. And I'm almost done that. I'm almost finished this uh, DVD that you could get, um, and it will basically, you'll see the photographs of the women, and I'm kind of doing a voiceover. A lot of the women at this point have passed away, and I, I wrote a poem um, so for each woman who died had a stanza. The poem's called The Goodbye Girls. And, um, and it's just a great thing. It, it was so interesting to read the foreword to that book. So it was written a while ago. And the difference between then and now, I don't know how long you've been, if you're positive or how long you've been positive. Are you positive? Yeah. yeah. You know how long it. how long it's been, but it's a day and night now. I remember when they first used to say that HIV was manageable now with the new drugs and everything, and right. I was I was almost resentful at that. Like, yeah, you think it's manageable, you live with this crap, right? But then it really became manageable. You know, it right. became really different. Just like I'm not gonna die. Oh shit! And I bought a Lexus, and now I gotta pay for it. Uh, you know, it's like this realization. Shit, I'm gonna live. Oh crap! And Visa was my financial planner. You know, it's like I have 23 Visa cards. No kidding. Well, I remember there was a lot of that. I've been positive for 20 years, and um, I remember people selling off their life insurance policies and going broke and getting 60 credit cards and maxing them all out because they're like, I'm going to die anyways. I don't give a shit. And then hey. realizing, like, pretty inhibitors came along, and they're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to live. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I bought a, I bought this huge house. I, I, I bought, like, motorcycles, boats, and cars. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, you, like, you kind of like that shit. And then you're, like, then you're living your life just to pay for it. So I, I ended up selling, just, like, selling stuff off. Still have the house. But, you know, it's filled with lawn furniture. <laughs> I converted the, half of it into a painting studio. It's just covered with paint. And, you know, it's, it's like, who cares? Life's short. Or actually, sometimes it's really long if you made poor decisions. You know? <laughs> uh, so what are you doing now? What I'm doing now is essentially painting a lot. I, I, I'm going to have a gallery show in uh, Hilo, Hawaii, and there's another gallery I, I'm, I might be doing an exhibit at in down in Philly. And so I'm painting a lot, and I love that. And I'm still doing the talk, talks and the lectures and the shows. I, I travel around the country. I'll be going out to uh, Houston 
in a couple weeks in Seattle and Ohio. And so I travel around the country, sometimes out of the country, doing performance. I call it edutainment. I'm working with this guy, Robert, and I swear I'm so sorry, Robert, if you're out there. I can't remember your last name. But he's doing this whole thing with T-shirts that is really totally cool, uh, kind of education through T-shirts, and he's getting a lot of publicity, and I'm going to work with him. And, um, you know, just whatever comes along. I'm, I'm, My whole thing is be present, be here now, you know, let, let all the creative uh, – energy come through me, whatever's happening. I'm writing the memoir that, you know, kind of about those stories I told you, but more in detail, and and the um, poetry, painting, and then the book, the, the book I'm working on that's coming out really soon is called Sext, S-E-X-E-D, and it's all the uh, text messages that I got and the answers. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really Well, cool. you've got to let me know when you come to Philly, if you come to do anything here, because I would love to come out and hear you speak in person. I was just there. I just did uh, the World AIDS Day Gala event for Philadelphia Fight. That was really cool. you got to let me know next time you're in town. I'd definitely like to come check you out. Oh, I, d- I would love to come. I would love to come. I mean, no, I will let you know. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> you got all on the line. So we come into an end. We didn't get any callers. No one called in. No Nobody questions. called in. Everybody's in the chat room chit-chatting. They're all chit-chatting. Okay. They don't they're have texting. any sex questions. Yeah, they're texting. <laughs> no sex questions. Do you have any sex questions? Anything that you ever wanted to know? <laughs> they're like I think I I think I tried it out. Texting is so good, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, so if someone, yeah, someone wanted to see your artwork. Is that on your website as well? Like, or, or oh yeah, you know, I, everything you can you can see the paintings on uh, riverhuston dot com. There's a a link buried down in there, or you could actually go to River Houston Artwork. So it's the same River Houston A R T. W O R K artwork and there's links also on my website to my artwork um you know the the regular website riverhusen.com um and you can find them and I also do comics that's the other thing I love doing so if you come into my life you end up usually in a comic oh, well, so. that should be interesting <laughs> <laughs> my poor husband I love and adore him and he cuz he he's always a character in my comic strips and he's like, he's kind of walking through, like. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny, River. Thank you so much for taking time out and, and chit chatting with us for the hour. I really appreciate it, and I think you are super duper funny. Well, yeah, you're thank you for having me. And yeah, I'll just you can always see where I am on my website, riverusage.com, and I will uh, also let you know when. Uh, and let's be friends. That sounds yes. good. I'll I be think looking. we are friends. We are friends yes. on Facebook, right? Yes, I love we are. That thing. <laughs> All right, right, you guys. Have a great night. Have a great night. night, River. All right. Bye. Bye. And remember, folks, you guys can find more information on river at riverhouston.com. Um, even though we were laughing a lot tonight about different things, um, things we did talk about were serious, such suicide and, and you know, living with HIV and, and going through drug uh, use and recovery. So I just want to make that out that we were laughing because that's how River – um, deals with it, and that's how she does her speaking. So I think um, it's a different take on it, and it kind of sets you back at ease a little bit. 
Yeah, and I think it's great when it's it's easy to look back and laugh when you've come out of it. I think yeah. when you're in it and you're still really dealing with the seriousness of it, and there may be depression and, and substance abuse and you know coming to terms with HIV and all that stuff. It's very serious, but when you are comfortable with it and you realize that, like she said, life is short and you can't take it too seriously and everything's manageable for the most part and then you can deal with it, then it's, you know, you got to laugh sometimes. Right. So um, it was really great that I, I ran into her and I look forward to reading her blogs on the body since we'll be blog mates uh, starting hopefully tomorrow. Mine yeah, tomorrow. I look forward to reading yours as well. Yeah, I'm going to try to put up some video ones, so I'm looking for topics on things to talk about, because I don't want to do the everyday thing. I kind of want to have it be more topic blogs over there. Right. So it's a little bit more interactive with the people who go to the website. Um, what was the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick? Oh, next Sunday, you know, Jack, you're going to be with me hosting. We're going to have an early show. The show is going to start at 7 p.m. Um, our guest is going to be um, Aiden Shaw. Everybody, well, a lot of people are familiar with him from his adult film star um, status. Um, he's also an actor and a writer. He has about, I think, seven books, and he just came out with a new one, which is his second autobiography. Yeah, and he's on the cover of HIV Plus this, this. He has a really great article on the cover of HIV Plus this month. So Yeah, but people can definitely check that out, and they should definitely want to check out next month because there's supposed to be some good stuff in there. Cool. So you know, <laughs> so you can check that out. So I'm trying to think. Other than that, um, upcoming in the rest of the month, uh, we have uh, Mike... B, who is a blogger on Pod I Am, who has uh, the blog called Living with HIV. He's going to be the guest on uh, the following Sunday. And then the last Sunday, we're going to have a gentleman by the name of Dwayne. And I forget, I can't pronounce his last name. I'm going to mess it up. Um, but I actually met him through uh, Hope's Voice and the Does HIV Look Like Me campaign. He was one of their ambassadors. So he's going to come on and talk about all the work that he does, I believe, in Idaho. I want to say Idaho. <laughs> I think he's in Idaho. Because he works for Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, Idaho.com, or, or, right or something like that. He runs it, but that should be cool. I'm Excellent. excited about that. So other than that, um, we have about two minutes left. Jack, is there anything else that you have coming up? Uh, no, I kind of, everything, like the new year starts the new me, so i got to figure out what the hell I'm doing. I'm... Um, other, I mean, it, you know, I've got work stuff going on, some exciting news, but I'll, I'll let you know when that happens. Um, but, yeah, I'm just getting back in the pool, swimming a little bit. We're doing, planning Living Positive by Design for this year, where we're going to go. And, uh, yeah, I'm all good. You still designing? Kind of. I mean, um, actually, I was just talking to my mom right now because my brother just got engaged. She's like, you have to design my... My mother of the my groom dress. I'm like, all right. So, but I'm not doing my own line. I'm just doing little weird projects. I'm making a hat for Andina right now, actually. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I just spray-painted a bunch of plastic baby dolls. <laughs> that's so funny. I'll be looking. I'm sure you'll post pictures or something. Oh, so I think she's doing a thing on logos, which she needs it for. So. Oh, cool, cool. That would be interesting. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're uh, pretty much done. So I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show tonight. Um, again, you can find more information on our guest, River Houston, at riverhouston.com. You can find more information on myself at pausim.com and more information on Jack um, at jackmackenroth.com. Yep. Um, Jack, it's been uh, great hosting with you through the it's last year. It's been real. <laughs> and I look forward to, um, you know, some more uh, crazy guests. Tonight was really fun. Yeah, it was, she was hilarious. Loved her. We so, had like it, one it question and she just went. <laughs> I know. I love that. It's the best kind of guest. 
Yeah, so you guys enjoy the rest of your night, Jack, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. All right, honey, be good. Bye, guys. Bye-bye, guys.